Welcome to Activate Church Podcast and thanks for listening. We hope this message helps you and we pray that God speaks to you through this week's message. We began a series over the last few weeks and we're speaking out of 1 John and uh, it talks about life and light and love and we're going to continue with that uh, again today. And uh, man, I don't know if you've been enjoying it. I've been getting heats out of this. Been getting heaps out. I've been really enjoying it. Before I go any further, Ruth Holly, it is so great to have you back from overseas. Uh, so nice to see you. We miss you. And we look forward to when you can be back from overseas again soon. So why don't we pray and then we can get stuck into today. Father, we thank you that you're here and you're with us. And even that alone is reason to celebrate. We have reason to praise you, Jesus, because you are always with us, that you never forsake us. And that God, whatever happens in our life, whether we do something or whatever happens around us, God, you're never going to be separated from us. And we're assured of that because that's what your word says. God, I pray that today as we listen to your word, uh, that God, we just receive what it is that you want to say to us. So I pray as always with eyes open, spiritually speaking, of course, God, we pray for our eyes to be open today. We pray for our hearts to be ready to receive. We pray for our ears to be open to hear what it is that you want to say. And so God, we give you praise and we give you thanks. And God, even though your attention was not on the Wallabies, God, for that loss, we thank you, God, that you directed your energy to the North Melbourne Football Club and helped them to get over two devastating quarters and eventually and convincingly win. We thank you for that too in Jesus' name. And everybody said, well, that wasn't very convincing from you. God obviously helped North yesterday because we were not doing well and then everything came through. So I'm happy about that. Hey, uh, so let me tell you something. The other day I was with my kids, we're driving and uh, we were running late from somewhere and we decided to get some dinner. So I said to the I said to the family, I said to everyone, hey, why don't we just go to McDonald's? And uh, my son Judah, he he says something from the back. He says, Hey dad, I said, I gotta tell you something. I said, What? He said, uh, well, I don't know if you know this, but the burgers are better at Hungry Jack's. <laughs> I said, Where'd you get that? He said, Oh, it's just something I know. He says, burgers are better at Hungry Jack's. Who's just susceptible to that advertising that's on television. Now, I happen to believe that the burgers are better at Hungry Jack's. But, you know, like, he, he has no idea. He's saying that because he saw an ad on television and he heard something and he just believed what he heard because, after all, the television said it. And if it's on TV, you can probably trust it, Yeah. Sort of like when you, have you ever gone onto those Facebook articles and, you, and you're starting to read them and it's some crazy story with outrageous facts. And as you're reading through, you're like, man, this is insane. I can't believe that anyone would act this way or behave this way. I can't believe that people do life like this is crazy. You know, I remember one time and I never do this. If you look on my Facebook, I try to keep it pretty clear of, uh, you know, too many sort of strong opinions on stuff that doesn't really matter. So, so I, I looked at it and I made a comment on it and, or I posted or shared or something and someone jumped on and said to me, hey, that article's just totally fake. They just made that up. And I was like, ah, oh, they got me. Because if you go onto the internet, the truth is, especially on Facebook, there's so many articles out there. They're fake. They're not real. 
and you think that's a shocking statistic until you realize the website they quoted never really exists, but it looks like a link in the thing. So you kind of give it credit and you think, oh yeah, and uh, you just believe it. And I'm telling you, we cannot be people that just believe what we hear or what we see without thinking. That is exactly what John writes about. And so today we're going to look at uh, how John deals with this issue. And uh, the first part, there's going to share two main scriptures today. And you've got to pay attention to both because the first one makes a good case for the second one. So you've got to pay attention to that. So if you have a Bible or an app or whatever it is that you've got, you can turn to First John. We're looking at chapter 3, verses 19 to 24. If you don't have a Bible, don't sweat it. I'm going to read so you can just relax. Here's what it says. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our hearts before Him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and He knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from Him because we keep His commandments and do what pleases Him. And this is His commandment, that we believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as He has commanded us. Whoever keeps His commandment abides in God and God in Him. And by this, we know that He abides in us by the Spirit whom He has given us. I want your participation this morning. Can I get that? Awesome. Hands up if you have ever had a negative thought. All right. Leave them up, leave them up. Leave your hands up. I want you to leave up your hands this morning if that negative thought, if you ever had negative thought and it was actually about you. So if your hand's down right now, you've never had a negative thought about you. Leave your hands up if you've ever had a negative voice that you feel at some point has just spoken to you. You just heard something. It's not some weird voice. It sounds like your own voice, but you're just thinking and you go, oh my gosh. And you, you start to think some negative thoughts maybe about yourself. Now, leave your hands up again, still doing this, if that voice was convincing. All right, you can put your hands down. So I guess we're all in the same boat, yeah? Yeah, we are. Because the truth is, is that we hear things all the time, words that are spoken to us or maybe some thoughts that are coming to our minds and we are all in the same boat. It happens to everyone. Now let me say this, your convictions will charter the course of your life. Your convictions charter the course for your life because it becomes your philosophy. Don't you make decisions out of what you believe. So every time you have a decision to make, you make that decision based on the information that you have. So whatever you're doing, you're choosing the way you live. You're choosing the way that you think, maybe for a reason, because your convictions, they become really your philosophy. You say, I don't have a philosophy. Well, maybe you never wrote anything down, but you do have one. It's the way that you do life. It's just the way that you do things, right? And my point to you this morning is it's okay to have convictions, but it's good to know that your convictions are correct. Because if your convictions about life, 
if your conviction's about finance, if your conviction's about relationships, if your conviction's about all the things that happen in life, if they're not correct, can you understand how you could begin to make some decisions in your life that, to be honest, they just would not be helpful to you? The Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So as you think, so goes your life. Have you ever seen that movie Inception? You seen the movie Inception? If you haven't seen it, you should hire it. It's an awesome film. And in this film, what happens is, is that when, you, when you're dreaming, people can go into your dreams and steal secrets. They can steal things that, have, that you've hidden away. And then someone comes up with this idea and they say, could we do that in reverse? Could we actually uh, go into someone's dream and could we plant a thought? Could we plant an idea? And they find out that you can. And so they go in there and that's exactly what they do. And I think that that is just like life. There are little conversations that you have. Just somebody says something offhanded, but it plants a seed in your heart, begins to grow inside your life, and then you begin to act out of it. There's all kinds of seeds that can be planted inside your heart. There's all kinds of voices that you can tune into and things that you can listen to inside your heart. So I'm just wondering this morning, what do you actually believe to be true about yourself? What do you believe about yourself? What do you think when you go to the mirror and you look at yourself? I'm wondering what the thoughts are that you have about yourself. I'm wondering if you just see yourself as a total failure. You just feel like you can't do anything right. I actually really wonder if you look into the mirror sometimes and you're just completely disappointed with what you see. Maybe you thought you'd never be where you are right now in life. And you wonder how you got to be where you are. And you think, well, there's no one to blame but myself. And so you, it's really easy sometimes to just look at yourself. I know this sounds crazy, but it's easy for people to begin to despise themselves. What do you look at when you see? Or maybe you see the opposite. You see someone who's wildly successful and you're happy with your life and you live with absolutely no regrets. But the truth is, I rarely meet people like that. Most of the time when I meet people, they say, yeah, I've got a bunch of things in my life that I wish I never, ever did. And when it comes to your opinion on yourself, can I give you a hot tip to actually help you? Don't go check with yourself about what you think about yourself. Don't go check with your heart about what you think about yourself. Because if you pay attention to anything that we just read in the, in, in the scriptures there, if you pay attention to it, it says that your heart has this really nifty little way of just condemning you. Your heart has this really nifty little way of just getting in there. How many people understand that you are probably your own worst critic? Have you ever walked into a room and everyone else, they know each other? And you, if you want to feel insecure in about five seconds, go somewhere where you don't know anyone. And you're alone and especially, oh, especially if they're in their little groups talking and you're standing on the outside. And as soon as that happens, that might be you in church. Like you come to church and you think, oh man, all these good people just hanging out. I don't deserve to be here. Man, you deserve to be here. It doesn't matter where you come from. Even if you feel isolated or alone, man, we're so glad that you're here at this church. I think it's so sad when people feel like that, but it's so easy to feel like that. And the truth is, I felt like that too. And when I... When I'm starting to think about who I am as a person, the Scriptures kind of tell me that I probably shouldn't go and check with my heart 
with my, about my thoughts, about myself, because oftentimes my heart criticizes me. My heart condemns me. It points out all the wrong stuff that I've done wrong. So here's what John says to do, and I think that this would be a great start for anyone that's here today. He says, don't ask yourself, ask God. Because He is greater than you. His opinion of you is greater than the one that you've got of yourself. His opinion is more weighty. And here comes the line that I think we need to pay attention to. And He actually knows everything. You see, you don't actually know everything, but you'll lean into that opinion about yourself. And I'm suggesting to you this morning that that is a really bad idea. Don't believe everything you hear. Don't believe everything that you hear. Don't believe every thought that comes into your mind. Don't necessarily believe that it's true. We got to be people. I think you should do this whether you're a Christian or not. You got to be people that discern the origin of those thoughts. You've got to be people that discern where that stuff actually comes from. And there is a really good reason for this. Are you ready? Your prayers will actually be more effective if you do this. Isn't that good? It's like four people went, yeah, that's all right. Have you ever not had a prayer answered? Oh, so you would be interested in this? All right, well, I just guess I'll finish the rest of the message then. Your prayers actually become more effective. I think that point alone is worth sort of tuning into. Did you understand that there are some things that will hinder your prayer life? I'll tell you, I'll tell you a couple right now. Here's what Peter says. He says, husbands, you better treat your wives well so that your prayers don't get hindered. If you're single, you can't mess this up. But if you're married... Husbands, treat your wives well so that the things that you're thinking, the things that you're praying for, so that your prayers don't actually get hindered. There's a whole bunch of things that can actually hinder your prayers. I'll tell you one of the things that hinders the, your prayers the most is actually when you start to listen to your heart and it condemns you and you feel bad about the stuff that you've done because you don't have the faith to come into the presence of God and begin to make requests in His throne room for stuff that you look at in your life that you know is not right and you know it shouldn't be there and you feel like, I wish I could do something about this. But the thing that keeps you out of the throne room of God where you present your case and say, this ain't right, that will be one of the things that actually hinders your prayer. Verse 22, John says, you get what you ask for when you obey. Awesome. Are you ready for this? All you got to do, easy, okay? All you got to do is just obey everything that God says and all your prayers be answered. Is anyone encouraged by that? No, of course you're not encouraged by that. Because which one of us could actually be obedient and nail everything that God says? He says, all you've got to do is be obedient. So if you're obedient, your prayers will be more effective. Awesome. No, no. <laughs> that doesn't sound good to me because if answered prayer is the result of your obedience, oh man, you're probably going to be waiting. You're probably going to be waiting for a while. Except that we don't have to be obedient to everything. If you pay attention to what John actually says, and this, this is really important. If you pay attention to it, he says, you got to obey His command. Do you know what His command was? His command was to believe in Jesus and to love people. And that's what He said. He said, you've got to believe in Jesus and just love people. And let me tell you why when you do these two things, 
your prayers become so much more effective. If your prayers being answered are directly linked to how you behave, you're going to be waiting a long time. You're going to be hoping for God to answer some prayers, but you're going to be waiting a really long time. Except that when you put your faith in Jesus and He becomes your Saviour, then actually your faith doesn't rest on your obedience. It actually rests on His. So that means that when you want to come into the throne room of God, even though you look with inside yourself and your heart might be condemning you, you listen to the voice of God that says, man, you've been forgiven of that. And because of God's grace and forgiveness on your life, it puts you in a position where no matter what you've done, you can actually come into the throne room of God and be there with some confidence in your spirit because you deserve to be there, not because of what you've done, but because everything that He actually did. And that is the whole point. So your confidence to approach the throne of God has little to do with your obedience and a whole heap to do with your confession. If your confession is that Jesus Christ has come and set you free from the power of sin over your life, well, guess what? It actually doesn't matter how much stuff you've screwed up before you got here today. The truth is today in this place, you can come straight into the presence of God and you deserve to be there because Jesus actually put you there. Let me read a scripture to you. It comes out of Hebrews. It says, Since we have a great high priest, this is Jesus, He's our great high priest, who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace so that we may find mercy and find grace to help in time of need. This is what you need to know. Your confidence before God is the result of a heart that's free from condemnation. I'm going to say that again because this is the most debilitating thing that I've seen happen to people who are trying to follow Jesus. Your confidence in coming before God, your confidence in coming before God is the result of a heart that becomes free of condemnation. When I became a Christian in the first 12 months, there was a whole bunch of things that were not right in my life. And one day I was standing in worship. I don't think I've ever shared this before. I was standing in worship. And what I'm about to tell you has only ever happened to me twice. I was standing in worship. And you know how somebody stands in worship when they're full of condemnation and guilt and shame? They stand with their head down, yeah? So I'm standing there with my head down and the worship's going. But I don't even want to look up. I'm not reading the words. I'm just looking down at the ground. And this is going to sound crazy to you, but I told you, this has only ever happened to me twice in my life. I felt a finger like this on the bottom of my jaw, and it lifted up my head like I felt it physically on my chin. This is not, I'm not talking about something weird, ooky, spooky, spiritual. It just felt like someone put their finger under my chin, and they lifted my head up, like even against my own will. I just kind of went with it. I'm looking up into the ceiling. Looking up into the ceiling, looking up straight up into heaven. And I realized that God just lifted me. I what he was saying to me, he says, don't stay in that place where you are. Don't stay there because I died for that so that you don't have to walk in and feel like that. 
and he lifted my head. I thought, oh man, that's awesome. And then you know what? Something crazy happened. Months later, I'm reading a scripture and I realized it actually says he is the lifter of our heads. I didn't even know that scripture. I, I, I just literally went through the process. And I'm like, oh, well, I guess he does that sometimes. I guess he just lifts people's heads sometimes. And he does. He does. He lifts people's head. He doesn't want them to be in shame. And I'll tell you why this is so important. You understand this. The devil will try everything to condemn you. But unfortunately, he doesn't have a case. He will try everything to guilt you and shame you and destroy you. But he doesn't have a case. Because God's forgiveness gives you the boldness to actually dwell in His presence. How many people do you know, you included, that when you mess up, the last thing you want to do is get into your prayer closet. The last thing you want to do is come into worship. Man, this kind of stuff that I'm talking about, this makes people leave church. This makes people's devotional lives non-existent. This causes people to just walk away in the other direction because it's so, it's literally this debilitating. But it doesn't have to be. Because when all of that stuff comes upon you, God's forgiveness on your life actually makes you bold to come into His presence. So no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter what experiences you've had, when you believe that Jesus died for your Sins, you have every right to come into the presence of God. And more than that, because this takes it one step further. It's one, th- I mean, oh, come on. It's one thing to dwell in the presence of God. It's another thing to have Him indwell your presence. Do you understand the magnitude of what I just said to you? I said that you try to get into the presence of God. He says that God will actually dwell in you when you dwell in Him. And that is very very important because this is where all of this is going. It's really important you get that. God's Spirit is not the only Spirit that tries to indwell your presence. God's Spirit is not the only Spirit that actually tries to indwell your presence. So this is where John builds a case and look at what he says. This is immediately after. He says, Beloved, don't believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets, false prophet is someone who speaks out on God's behalf, but they didn't hear from him. Many people that think they've heard from God and speak on behalf of him have gone out into the world. By this, you know, the spirit of God, everyone that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and is now in the world already. So he came like thousands of years ago. Now, this is not the, you know, it's not the Antichrist. But there is a spirit in the the world which is anti-Christ. I mean, just pay attention to politics, pay attention to the world around you. It's anti-Christ. I don't want anything to do with what Jesus is trying to offer. It's just anti-Him. It's anti-Gospel. It's anti-everything that Jesus stands for and represents. He says, little children, because you're really susceptible to this. So if you're a new Christian or you're not in church very often or you don't have a really strong faith, you got to listen to this. You are from God and you have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth 
and the spirit of error. Don't believe everything you hear. Just because some thought came into your mind doesn't mean you have to own it. Just because something's speaking to you about you doesn't mean you need to believe it. I was chatting with Jay, who the guy who was up here before who was emceeing our service. I was chatting with him during the week and he told me the story. And this is going to sound crazy to you, but listen to this crazy story. He met a guy uh, from his church that he used to attend many years ago. And this guy uh, came to him and uh, this guy was in a relationship with a lady that was uh, just not a very good influence. And she came to this guy and she said to him, hey, listen, God is losing the battle against the devil. You know, God's losing this battle. So he actually really needs you to help. And this is what you need to do. Could you take some of the weight and some of the pressure off of God so that, so that he can be empowered to actually finally win and, and defeat Satan. And this guy says, well, what do I got to do? He says, well, you got to begin to take, I want you to take on sickness because he can't handle it all. You got to take on sickness. You got to take on mental illness. You know, so this guy starts speaking that over his life. He starts confessing, you know, and you know what? He develops schizophrenia. He developed illnesses. He developed all kinds of uh, mental illness and sickness and, and, and all because of his confession, all because he believed it. And I'm telling you, the kind of, that kind of crazy stuff can actually happen in our world when somebody believes something that's not true and they begin to make confessions about things that aren't true over their life. It begins to destroy their life. It just ruins it. And here's the truth about that. The battle was already won. Jesus is already victorious 2,000 years ago. So there's no need for anyone to actually take anything on. But again, it comes back to what you believe to be true. See, when this passage, as John's saying, he's saying that there are people that are false prophets who will come at times and say things on behalf of God that are just not true. And that's how cults start. Listen, if, if you want to know if you're in a good church, this is what they do. They stick to this book. And they don't go off on crazy tangents that have nothing to do with this. Because actually, it's only because we know what the truth is that we can discern error. Where do we find that? We find it in God's Word. So whenever we hear anything that conflicts with what we read in His Word, we say, that just can't possibly be true. And in fact, what, this is the issue that John was dealing with in this passage. These guys have come in and they're saying, this is what God is saying. So the whole reason John talks about living in the light and what it actually looks like when you live in the light, he's saying, you guys aren't even listening to God. And this actually forced a church split. So here's this church that's being led and these false prophets come in and it says that they went out from us. And you know what's really sad is that people actually decided to go with them. They listened to people who were saying things that aren't true. I'm so glad that we don't have to run the risk of doing that, which is actually why we have the Word of God which is why we can listen to that. And although there are, I found out, you know, today there are over 41,000 denominations and we could talk about the dif differences between them, but this is what John does. He makes it really simple for us. He divides them into two camps. There are those who confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He came in the flesh. He died for the sins of the world. He was resurrected and is at the right hand of the Father and He's interceding for people on earth. There are people that confess that and there are people that don't confess it. And the people that don't confess what I just said to you have a spirit and it is anti-Christ. 
It is anti-Christ. It is anti-gospel. It is actually against the message that Jesus shares. You know what Paul said? He said that no one can actually say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So if you've ever come to the place in your life where you go, you know what, I, I think this is true. I think I actually believe this message. It's because God has been doing a work in you. And He's been showing you stuff. The only way you can say Jesus is Lord is actually because the Spirit begins to open your eyes to it. But that anti-spirit comes in and it seeks to do the exact opposite. Rather than open your eyes, it seeks to shut your eyes down, to close down your revelation. It has one goal every time. It is deception. This is the every time. It is deception about God in order to separate you. Deception about God in order to separate you. And the reason that he does that is because, as we said last week, there's something that happens to you when you get in God's presence. It transforms you. Remember what we just read? He said, if you indwell the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God will indwell you. Now, Jesus caused enough trouble 2,000 years ago when He came in His kingdom. He doesn't. The devil doesn't need a whole bunch of people leaning into that Spirit and causing Him havoc on earth today. He would seek at every turn to shut you down, to sort of shut down your revelation so that you don't believe it. You can't see it. And what I'm going to say to you is this, whatever you hear, whatever you think you see, whether it be about you or someone else, I'm saying don't pay attention to those thoughts unless they come from God. If they didn't come from Him, you don't want to listen to them. If it didn't come from Him, you don't pay attention to it. Jesus Christ came, died on the cross to forgive us of our sins. And it says that He overcame the world. It says, in this world, you'll have trials and tribulations, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Now the same Spirit that lives in Christ actually indwells you. The same Spirit, that, that, that Spirit, that God Spirit, it actually indwells you. And He says He's greater than anything that could actually come against you. Greater than anything that could actually come against you. So when it comes to the mirror time, And you begin to think thoughts about yourself. You begin to despise what you see. And you begin to think about, remember this, there is a spirit that's in you that's greater than the spirit you're currently leaning into. You can actually lean into that negativity and it will, remember the goal, the whole goal to destroy your self-image will be to separate you ultimately from God. Because if He can shame you out of God's presence, you're just no longer going to be a person that threatens Him. So He'll shame you out at every cost. That's why there's a spirit that's in you that's greater in the world. So when that shame comes upon you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So maybe you did that thing that you wish you didn't do. How many of us have regrets in life? Guess what? There is a spirit that overcome that. There is forgiveness for that. It actually doesn't matter what you've done. Yeah, maybe you've got shame in your life, but I'm saying to you that you don't need to lean into that because there is a spirit that's in you that's greater than the one that you're currently listening to. If you've got some part of your past that's so dark, and maybe you're here today, nobody really knows what you've really got up to. Well, Jesus died for that. There is a spirit in you that's greater than the spirit that's trying to torment your life right now. What if you're a person that's here today and you struggle with self-loathing? You just despise yourself. You hate what you've done with your life. Well, I've got good news for you. 
Jesus died for that. And there's a spirit that's in you that's greater than the spirit that you're currently listening to. What if depression is trying to get on you right now and, and, and just ruin your life and cause you to be downcast just in the same way that I am? You walk into the presence of God. Everyone's praising Jesus and you feel like a fish out of water. You're like, I don't deserve to be here. Do you know how many times I felt like I didn't deserve to be here, but I kept reading the Scriptures and I kept believing what Jesus said until I believed eventually, no, I have a right to be here. Not because of what I've done, but there is forgiveness for the things that I have done and there is a Spirit that's in me that's greater than the Spirit that I'm leaning into. It is too easy for God's people to have their lives destroyed by leading into wrong spirits that will lead you down the garden path with the ultimate goal to separate you. So can we get some closure on this today and just say, whatever you've done, whatever your past is, whatever your regrets are, whatever shame you've got in your life right now, whatever spirit is trying to get on you, there is a greater spirit that's in you than the spirit that you're currently leaning into. And there is forgiveness for everything that you've ever done. Don't live with the devil's opinion of you. Just don't do it. You know, when I see insecurity, I just feel like people are leaning into the wrong opinion. When I see people that are full of fear in their life, I just think maybe you're just leaning into the wrong opinion. There is an opinion that's greater than the one that you have of yourself. You're not even the best person to call the truth on yourself. That's why you've got to listen to Him. When you listen to him, he says time and time again, I don't don't condemn you. Here's what you got to do. Listen to this. I want you, this is so deeply practical. So practical what I'm about to say to you. Never, ever avoid God, especially when you mess up. Never avoid God. God, even when you mess up. Don't avoid church because you had a bad week. Don't stop, don't go on a life group because you messed up that day. Don't stop praying because you didn't do something right. Don't stop reading the Bible because you know what? You just don't even want to come into God's presence. And the reason why that's so important is you need to know more about God because the more you know about God, the more easily you know when you're hearing a lie. you only discern error because you understand the truth so if people can keep you from the truth you'll never know what the lie is if you want to know what the lies are that you believe to be true about yourself when you look in the mirror you've got to find out what God says about you and the more you lean into His opinion when you look in the mirror and something comes to your thought comes to your mind and it says you're hopeless. There's no hope for you. Say, no, that's not true. There's always hope. I've got, a, I've got a Savior. I have Jesus. He lives in me. There's a spirit in me that's greater than the spirit that's trying to come against me right now. So let me, let me do this this morning. I'm going to unmask the biggest lie you've ever heard. It's the greatest lie. It's been around for thousands of years. I'm going to unmask it in this moment right now. The greatest lie you've ever heard. 
God did not come here to condemn you. He came here to save you. I know it's so simple. It's so simple. And yet, there are so many people that are ready for God's judgment, but they're not ready for His blessing. They're ready for God to bring that condemnation. And He doesn't do it. Let me share with you a story. Jesus is walking along the street one day and suddenly this woman is thrown down in front of Him. She's on the ground. Jesus becomes aware in this moment that the Pharisees, which is the religious leaders of the day, they start to sort of walk around and surround Him. I'm sure Jesus is thinking, what is going on here? And they said, hey, Jesus, trying to trap Him. They said, Jesus, we just caught this woman in the act of adultery. So they actually caught her in the act. They went in, they grabbed her from the house. She was in the act of adultery. They grabbed her, they dragged her out. They threw her on the ground. And they said, the law says that we should stone this woman. And they knew that Jesus loved people. They said, the law says we should stone this woman. The floor is yours, Jesus. What do you want to do? I love this story because it just sets the scene for such grace. Jesus is writing something in the dirt. He stands up and He says, All right, I hear you guys today. So how about we do this? The person with no sin, they cast the first stone. The guy that's perfect, you cast the first stone. And then the others, you guys can start to join in. This is all Pharisees, all the religious leaders, they just looked can imagine with their jaws open, dumbfounded, thinking, I cannot believe He got us again. And looking at that situation, it says that the older ones, the ones that knew what Jesus had just done, they began to walk away. The younger ones still trying to figure out a way around it. They couldn't figure it out. It says that eventually they all walked away. And this is so beautiful. Lean into this right now. Jesus comes to this woman Imagine her on the ground there, still in that space, just ready to be stoned. And gets down and he says, Has anybody condemned you? She says, No, Lord, none. And the only guy that could have condemned her, the only one that could have thrown a stone, because he was the only one that was sin free, the only one that could, Jesus himself, he looks at her and he says, Neither do I. Neither do I. Up you come. Go away and sin no more. That's what John has been saying to us the whole time. Do your best. Try. Go sin no more. But when you mess up, He's not here to condemn you. He's actually here to save you. God doesn't come to bring condemnation in your life because when you believe in Jesus, there's actually nothing to condemn you of. When you believe in Jesus, there's nothing to condemn you of because... All your sin has actually been forgiven. That's why I say the devil doesn't have a case. Do you know that the Bible says something about him though? It says that he's the father of lies. He'll present a pretty good and convincing argument to you while you're standing there looking in the mirror. He'll present something that sounds so right that you almost should believe it, except for the fact that you know that Jesus died for all the stuff that you've done wrong. So when you know that, you say, I'm not gonna lean into that spirit. I believe Jesus died for my sins. 
I'm standing in grace today. I'm coming into the throne room of God right now, not because I deserve to be here based on my obedience, but because of Christ's obedience, because of what He did. And now the righteousness of Christ is on me so that when your Father looks down on you, He sees the good things that Jesus did. And it brings you into His presence and He starts to indwell your presence and you have everything you need to overcome every thought that comes against you. Trust you enjoyed this week's message. For any more information about Activate Church, check out our website www.activatechurch.com or download our app online and have a great week.